0: Um. Hi, Amy. (laughs) Hi. I'm back. I'm back. This is really exciting, guys.
1: My partner in crime has returned. Has returned. If you don't remember her from episode (laughs) three months ago, (laughs) oh no,
0: (laughs) three months ago. Amy's back. Yeah. Sick. How's it feel to be back from maternity? Good. Leave? I'm happy to be back, actually. i I'd Kind of doing some home adjustments with life and schedules, but we're good. 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 We're glad to have you back. It's good to be back.
1: <laughs> so I feel like we started the podcast, and you were my co-host, and then you you, you had a baby.
0: Yes. So you disappeared, disappeared. but now you're back. <laughs> so get used to this precious peach of a voice. Okay. Because she's well, be I've been trying all the time. to listen to some of the episodes, but I got to catch up too. I got to catch up. big Time. We had a lot of good ones while you were gone.
1: Um, speaking of a lot of good ones, I was really bummed you missed this last episode that I recorded before break, um, before before the holidays. So Tracy, who we know mm-hmm. through, through work and through Riley Hospital, um, and her, her daughter um, have been greatly impacted by pediatric cancer. So mm-hmm. her daughter, Elizabeth, had a JPA brain tumor diagnosed at the age of six, mm-hmm. I believe six. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was sad that you missed this, you know, um, recording and story because I know, you know, both yeah. of them well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they came on and just shared their story, her, you know, journey with, with a brain tumor, um, and how that's impacted not only her, but the whole family. And so it was a pretty, like, it was a pretty great, Perspective, in that she you know, she was so young when she got diagnosed. So sure. she doesn't remember a lot of the initial just craziness and yes. being diagnosed and, um, and the stress. So Tracy, mom, was able mm-hmm. to speak to that quite a bit. But then they talked about something that I've been really eager to talk about on the podcast and I'm so glad that we did in this episode, but how this impacts siblings mm-hmm. and the whole family unit. Um, and you know, recently I went to brain tumor camp And that was a a family camp. Mm -hmm. So parents and siblings came. We did a lot of talking about siblings. And I left that camp thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, like, wow. I don't think
0: about this as much as
1: I should. Yeah. And how much it impacts siblings. So Elizabeth shared about that a little bit. I think Elizabeth is the oldest. And I want to say, I have to fact check myself. But I want to say her youngest sibling was like, you know, Monroe's age. Sure, like a baby. Really young. Mm -hmm. And then a three-year-old. And then – um, she was about six. Um, I could be off on that by a couple of years, but they, they say in the podcast how old they were. Um, so one, I can't imagine being a mom of three no, kids neither. under and six. Little. Yeah, little. And your child has a brain tumor. Yeah. And um, so Tracy talks about how that impacted you know, her as a mom and having to split that time sure. and the guilt that she felt having I'm to be sure. with Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And then Elizabeth talked about even how it impacted her her relationship with her siblings sure, um, and, you know, the guilt that she felt or, you know, yeah, just how it impacted their relationship and where they are now today. So this has um, been, you know, over a decade yeah. that she's.
0: Well, cause she's she, at Purdue now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Doing really yeah. well. And yeah. I also love this story
1: too, because we talked about, like I said, siblings, which is really important to, to talk about. And I'm glad we did, but also she's got such a beautiful story with like, you know, a a great, not ending. She, she's got a lot ahead of her, but, um, it's, it's a happy, positive story of how her adversity, um, turned into strength. Yeah. She's doing really well. Like you said, she's at Purdue. Yeah. She wants to be a teacher. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So it was like, you know, beautiful, positive. Yeah ending to this story. And like I said,
0: not ending to the story, she's got so much ahead of her. Well, I, I can't wait to hear it from one because I do think any little tidbits that I've ever heard about siblings. And sometimes I know, I don't know if our hospital does it anymore, but there are some hospitals that have done like, um, sibling workshops when there's Mm -hmm. a child with chronic medical needs or going through heavy treatment. And, um, you know, you always kind of hear that siblings kind of get left out. Yeah, where there's like a period where yeah, that you have to divide time, and there's so much focus on the child who's sick, and then you know, yeah, you kids at home that are trying to maintain, and so I, I can't imagine. So I, I'm like eager to hear what that looks like, and to if they touched base or not. If it, it's interesting to see because they were so young. What do what what do they what are what are their dynamics of their relationship now?
1: Yeah, and they do you know, what does talk that about look like?
0: that. Like yeah, you know, cool. Tracy' mom, um, Elizabeth's mom, talks about how she thinks
1: possibly you know mm-hmm. that has impacted or molded their you know their mm-hmm. personalities. Mm-hmm. So the m- middle child, so Elizabeth is the oldest. Elizabeth had the, had the brain tumor, and then um, she's got a brother, and then a little sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both in high school. And I think the brother is getting ready to transition to college. But okay. so, which is already, that's yeah. ch- challenging age and you're yeah. like coming into your own identity. But um, yeah, I think, and just kind of sitting across from mom and daughter sharing the story mm-hmm. um, was just sweet and yeah. powerful and how bonded, you know, that, that they, they are yeah going
0: through this together. Yeah, um, I, I bet. Yeah. So, oh, really I'm great. excited. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, wish I could have been there for that. Yeah. <laughs> so many, that's so know. many. You missed a lot. <laughs> so <but> many. <laughs> that's okay because we have a lot of really
1: great podcasts coming yeah, I'm up. Excited. So, um, and I think next week you yes. and I are going to interview another brain tumor mama yes. that actually is really passionate about. Um, trying to find ways that, that moms can come together and support one another. So yeah. something that she's spearheaded, um, that she wants to share. And then obviously sharing about her son's yeah, journey, which a family you know, well, so yeah, that'll be great. a really good one. I'm excited. Yay. Well, we're glad you're back. Girl. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> yes. And we're excited for everybody to hear about Elizabeth's story. She's inspirational. She's optimistic. Um, cute as a button and yeah. she wants to be a teacher so yeah she's
0: pretty awesome oh, she volunteered with us also for and a she volunteered
1: mm-hmm. with our, our school, school program, program. Yeah. yeah so she's passionate too about giving back yeah um and she talks about that a little bit why I you know, asked her you know why she feels you know passionate or strongly about being a teacher she talks about it but just both her yeah. and her mom are just sweet souls and yeah. great a great story an uplifting story and yeah. um shows how Good things can come out yeah. of adversity. Yeah. They have a strong family unit, um, and um, they both just radiated optimism. And, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth's doing really well despite a lot of challenges yeah. oh, that I'm she's sure. had. Yeah. So That's from a great. young age, so That's um, great. yeah,
2: good great go, story. Girl. I Yay, bringing in 2020 yeah. <laughs> with this inspiration. <laughs> That's great.
1: Okay, well, well, enjoy Elizabeth's story, everybody. clicking. Okay. I'm so excited for this podcast today. So in today's podcast, I'm joined by Tracy Miller and Elizabeth Miller. And um, Tracy is a long-term brain tumor cancer survivor mom. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth is a survivor. So I wonder if we can just start our podcast today with talking about start from the beginning of your story. And I don't know who wants to take the lead. Mom or Elizabeth? Yeah,
3: right. maybe mom. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, well, um, and also, too, because
3: Elizabeth was diagnosed so young, she was how old? She was uh, six yeah. when she was diagnosed. So, the end of her kindergarten year, she was diagnosed with the juvenile pilocytic astrocytoma on her brain stem. And uh, she doesn't remember a whole lot of that period of time. Um, but since her journey lasted about 10 years, there are pieces and parts she remembers through photographs. And then as she grew older, um, there are more components that she remembers, like mm-hmm. treatment. And then even like our last stop in survivorship clinic was really empowering because they talked about occupations and how she might look for accommodations in a work that would best suit uh, the way she's made. And Mm-hmm. And so that, um, so that part was pretty impactful. So the entire journey being yeah. at Riley Hospital for Children, I love
1: it. And also, I think it's really cool to say too that Tracy, you you are, I work here. Now. You work here. I work right. And so that um, has to impact your role and how much you know the the passion and compassion
3: you have for our families, being a, a long term Riley mom. I think as a long term. Riley mom, I think my heart just aches, uh, for the journey that they're on. And I think the fact that our journey has, is concluded and concluded positively, my heart aches for all those that are in the journey Mm -hmm. and don't know yet how it's going to work out and Mm -hmm. what it's going to be. So I think I'm just completely compassionate for families in that limbo stage, um, of not knowing, um, and so I'm just so thankful for the care that she received and the not only the clinical care but the support the entire family was provided um, by our care team, even to this day, is something that's really rewarding for me to see those people at work and to give them a hug and just be so <laughs> thankful that they continue to do what they do for families yeah. because they were instrumental. And I uh, there's a couple people our nurse practitioner. Um, was so vital um, in the continuity of care and the times when I would just be so distraught, kind of answering those silly questions that really aren't silly questions, but that wake you up in the middle of the night as Mm -hmm. a a neuro-oncology mom. Um, But then also the chaplains and the social workers. Those are um, some key people. Um, that really helped us along our journey, mm-hmm. um, because I, I do tell people at work I was a hot mess. My husband was a hot mess. The whole family was a hot mess upon this diagnosis because it really came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of to your initial question, what did we notice? Most people always ask me, how did you know she wasn't? Yeah. So wasn't she
1: a- she was six years old, presumably right.
3: like you know all of our kids, most of our kids, healthy. And then
1: what happened? right.
3: Then- so it started uh, in her kindergarten year. She was attending both a morning kindergarten and an afternoon kindergarten. It was before we had a full day kindergarten um, in Indiana. So we were kind of trying to give her the best. So she attended two <laughs> kindergartens. It was make- she was very tired. she was very emotional. and we were concerned um, that it was too much. So fatigue, mm-hmm. uh, nausea, um, and then very emotional separation anxiety set in and she had never had any issues with separation anxiety. So we had visited the primary care, her, her pediatrician two different times mm-hmm. concerned about the separation anxiety and the change of behavior to the point where at one point, um, I even was concerned that there might've been abuse happening somewhere or bullying or something and because going her on? behavior, yeah. unexplainable, unexplainable behavior, um, in in that kind of information is a little bit. Mm more out there in, uh, in the world as far as like, if you see a change in behavior, it could be bullying. It could yeah. be this or that. So we had actually talked with both schools about kind of what we were seeing. Um, but it's it, it sort of um, all in a couple of like three days really manifested itself. Her gait changed. So her uh, right foot started dragging a little bit. Um, but at the time she was in gymnastics and I thought maybe she hurt herself. But I got a call from a, the gym teacher at school and they said, something's not right. Um, fast yeah. forward about f- 24 hours. Uh, there was an incident at home overnight um, that was not typical of Elizabeth's behavior. And so the next morning I called the pediatrician and he had us come in. He checked her walk, her gate. Um He knew he was a very, a very experienced pediatrician and uh, he set up an MRI same day. Um, and so do, do you really, remember any of this?
2: No, you don't remember I don't, your gate being off or feeling different. I only know anything about that kind of part just from like what my parents have told me or like mm-hmm. family and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't remember anything from like the very like early diagnosis or anything, just because I was so little. Yeah, and I guess it's kind of like a lucky thing for me that I don't remember it, but it's hard because they remember things and I don't. Yeah, I don't remember any of that part. Yeah. So she got an MRI. She got an MRI and then we were transferred
3: to the academic health center um, immediately, Mm -hmm. um, admitted immediately. Biopsy occurred the next day. You know, we met with our neurosurgeon. Um, Did the biopsy so that they would begin to type the tumor and to put together a plan of care. Mm -hmm. Um, And during that time, the... um, um they we were looking at where would be best to approach so our clinicians were very open that brain surgery is something you want to do once you want the best person to do it and they were very open about who that might be across the country. So I greatly appreciated that approach. I didn't know I was coming from an, a for-profit world where competition was everything and you didn't you didn't open up and collaborate, but I was very impressed by the medical field yeah. collaborating and, and wanting what was best for my daughter. And that is a very alive culture here
1: in our organization mm-hmm. that if Families, if you want a second opinion, please. Yes, it's your child. It's and your it's, child, and yeah. it
3: and it's it could be best. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what ended up being very important is that we did partner with another entity, um, and her slides were sent and reviewed by the tumor board there. Mm-hmm. However, um, and and I'm not medical in any way, so I always apologize. What happened in the next week. We were discharged in 24 hours, sent right back because the central um, nervous system fluid, there was some blocking. And so there was an immediate need to do brain surgery because of the pressure in the brain. That's my layman's terms. (laughs) Did, Did she have a shunt? She did not have a shunt. Okay. So um, they ended up the very next day. Or what's the other EVD? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the very next day, they yeah. did a resection. They got yeah. about 80% of it. It was a 14 hour surgery. It was oh, wow. by far one of the most stressful uh, days of our lives. Yeah. And, and in the sense, it was I, interestingly on a Saturday in a hospital with yeah. no other surgeries occurring, um, which now that i work here i'm like that was unusual uh, but at the time i wouldn't have known that not working in a hospital um but we did have updates um we had a nurse neighbor friend of ours that Came into work and rep and basically provided us updates in and out of the surgery. What is that? The family um, care nurse? Family care nurse. I think it? she yeah. volunteered to be that. We're not really sure again, a blur, but she was so helpful to have someone who knew us and had mm-hmm. seen Elizabeth playing outside and yeah. to be an, a kind of a right, you know, representative to us. But, yeah. um, once they did the resection, um, there were quite a bit of risks with that. The approach they took was a unique approach um, through the side uh, over the lobe versus coming down the center, which was what was recommended by another uh, neurosurgeon. So um, the results were fantastic. Her deficits are minor. Um, there was risks of all sorts of deficits. Um, And we have met people even to this day that had the same surgery and do have quite a few deficits that make us just super thankful uh, for Elizabeth's, you know, fully functioning life. So there's a lot of risk and a lot of, but but we had no choice. We had to take the swelling off and shunts weren't really ever discussed. And, but this, you know, again, my husband and I are not medically oriented
2: uh, yeah. My last
3: biology class was in tenth grade. <laughs> yeah, I I have do a math business. I mean, I yeah. knew business and I knew nothing well, about. Well, if healthcare. it isn't
1: scary enough, your child has a brain tumor. Now here are all these words and terms and things we're going to do to your child that you don't know anything about. Anything. So it you know it's so important to have a care team that talks to you and is transparent, transparent and explains things in a way right. that you feel like okay.
3: This makes sense. Right. They suggested we go to the, the library here at the hospital yeah. and we checked out a, a book on the brain and we began educating ourselves on the terms. When she in the waiting room. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So well, she, when she was inpatient, so we used the oh, library, yeah, we yeah. got a book mm-hmm. and um, they did encourage us not to search on the internet. Yeah, and That was key because mm-hmm. we didn't know exactly what type of brain tumor it was. Mm-hmm. It probably took about five years to finally type the tumor because we had different pathologists across the country, had wow. different op- opinions. Yeah. Um, and even the team here at our system, the pathologist and the surgeon had differing opinions. Yeah. So whether it was a JPA or an ependymoma, and then one group out east thought it was a JPA with ependymoma tendencies.
2: Oh, so, isn't that cute? Yeah, <laughs> that's cute. So everybody
3: has Your tumor opinion. was fancy. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's special. So then we went on a watch and wait. Yeah. Um, and then a year later, the tumor started to grow again. Mm-hmm. And that's when we began uh, chemotherapy. And that's kind of where your memories.
2: So yeah. you're seven, eight? Yeah, I
1: think I was, yeah, I was seven. Yeah, yeah,
2: seven for second grade.
1: I want to r- go back really quick, too, and ask you, when you were presented with, you know, and all neurosurgeons would come to the family and say, here's the surgical approach, here's the plan, you know, we thinking or providing you with options, telling you what deficits may incur. Do you remember that? Or were you just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, we have to do this, let's do, or?
3: Yeah, I I just remember the option to have a second opinion and liking the idea of a second opinion and having a second opinion on the surgical approach. Yeah. But what happened with the timeline, it didn't work out that we could achieve that. But that would have been such critical, critical mm -hmm. condition. I would have really loved to have that second opinion and be able to compare and contrast. Um, But we also sought out some local advice uh, from um, someone that we knew very well, a physician um, that had worked for... um, National Institute for Health or, and and they really encouraged us to tap into what was right here at the academic health center yeah that it would be best um, that all the the protocols here were the same as they'd be across the country as it related to that it and reassuring. that and that being close to home, home was incredibly important mm-hmm. for the entire family unit um and and they so he his encouragement to us was tap into what you have here before you just jump someplace else. But, okay. again, that was just our situation in, in yeah. 2005. Yeah. So, um, and so. each person's different. Each case is different. Uh, and and, I, that, and yeah. that's also
1: why it's important to not, as tempting as it may be, to WebMD things right. because there's so many factors that make your case unique to itself right. that there's mm-hmm. no way to to pinpoint Online and so right, yeah. and her
3: neurosurgeon um, really encouraged us to remember that all that mattered was Elizabeth.
1: Absolutely. In
3: size of one, it doesn't matter if you read something online and the the projected, you know, all the percentages and the concerns. Yeah. He said that really doesn't matter. What matters here is 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 Elizabeth and her tumor type and what cells she had and how we're going to go after it. He just really discouraged that. And I think that was helpful for me as a mom to just stay focused on the here and And now. And hopeful. Yeah. 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 Um, So I think that was really, really helpful. I guess I did want to kind of circle back on those resources. Yeah. So for us, we're um, a very spiritual family. And so the chaplaincy group was really important. They lined us up. With a consult very quickly. And then that individual stayed with us um, throughout quite a bit of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was really helpful for our needs. Um, there were other resources that were offered, um, for example, Child Life, which is a department I work with today. <laughs> yeah. Um, in in Elizabeth's recovery, it it didn't really resonate with her. So I think each family like resonates with different pieces. And children's hospitals, we have art therapy, music therapy, pet therapy, Mm -hmm. some chaplaincy, some one of, or combination of those will work for either your child or your child and the caregiver. Mm -hmm. So it's really learning about what is out there in this crisis mode and what resonates with your child and what resonates with you. Yeah. So exactly. I think that's really key because not everything works for everyone no. and that's okay, but just realize there's so many resources thankfully donors really support these programs that help help families stay together okay.
0: because and, it
1: and, takes and, a village. Yeah. And yeah. like you said, it, you know, if you only had one or two resources and those weren't what that family needed, it's so nice to have this robust team. With all these different skill right. sets to care, help carry families through this. You can't do yeah. it alone.
3: I think one of my favorite things, too, that our service had was they had a phone nurse that was available after hours and on weekends. Yeah. And I never met the phone nurse, but I talked to her a lot. Yeah. And she was wonderful. Yeah. And she would help answer questions. One time we had an issue with um, part of Elizabeth's chemotherapy was at home. Mm-hmm. And we would have some issues with it and have to get some more <laughs> more of it because it didn't stay down. Mm-hmm. And sure. she would help us navigate that. Yeah. And so there's people behind the scenes that really make things work. Yeah, and I think it's a part of finding your people. Yes. Um, there's also the the unit secretary would answer our calls, the one who supported the neurosurgeon and she was just so wonderful to us, calming. Um, so there's just a, there's an army of people at the hospital. And I think it's a matter of finding your people because yeah. this is quite a
1: journey. And how many years you know? ago is this? Uh, and you
3: still remember the unit secretary. I know. What I does
1: that name? Yeah. yeah. What yeah. does that speak to, you know, how every role is important? Yeah.
3: Every, every person is important, but I think to each family, they're different people. Yep. Yeah. It's not the same people. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So mom was saying, um, you know, you had your surgery um but then how many months 10 a year a year yeah. later you started chemo and that's where you elizabeth started to you can you have some memories of that
2: yeah um so i would go every thursday for how many weeks 70 70 weeks so and that was like during it was like during school and then some during the summer um but so yeah i just remember every thursday we would leave um, like I would leave early and then we'd have to, and I was always, i never wanted to go. It was mm-hmm. just cause maybe I, you're a second grader. Yeah. I think second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just cause I kind of knew what I was going to, it's not like when you get to leave early and you might be going to do something fun. Um, mm-hmm. but I remember one of my nurses, um, she, because I never wanted to go, she like made this thing up where I would bring a joke for her and she would have a joke ready for me and I would have to go so I could tell her my joke. Um, and just like little um, things yeah. to, I don't know, kind of, I mean, cause as a kid, like I don't, I don't think I really, I mean, I probably kind of knew what was going on just from like what I was being told, but as like a seven or eight year old, you can't really. Well, you knew it wasn't fun yeah, you knew, and you didn't want to be there. Yeah. And it didn't make me feel good. Um, I think that's kind of what I just kind of remember leaving. And then I remember never wanting to do my homework because I would leave during school and it would be, um. Like during the last couple hours of school, and I just remember us trying to get homework done, and it just did not. In clinic, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and Sit- just, sitting in the chair, uh huh, and
3: yeah, it just. So I had to homeschool her, and yeah, <laughs> and um, she didn't want to do that, and that was before the school program yeah. was really robust, yeah. Um, and um, but she had a port put in, yeah, and that did make the access nice.
1: Yeah, um, do you remember? Do you remember feeling anxious about it being painful
2: or hurting? Um, I just remember, I remember having my stomach hurt a lot because of you had nausea and
3: and and cramp, cramping
2: and and, uh, nerve ending problems. Yeah, okay. Like I remember, I had in our nurse's office, we I had like a heating pad, and I would go lay down, and then I would get headaches a lot. I remember taking like I would take Tylenol just like proactively, just so it wouldn't hurt. That's interesting because I don't remember that. I remember, so I remember being at our cousin's house uh, with Alexis and Caleb and just taking Tylenol. Yeah, no, I don't remember that. And though. having headaches. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember ever feeling different? Um, I remember. Did you lose your hair? No. Somehow, we're not really sure how. It's the low dose. I guess this particular cocktail uh, was low dose over a long period of time. Her hair did thin. Yeah, it definitely thinned, but yeah, it never completely fell out, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah. I think mostly what I, like, as far as like feeling different from other kids at school, um, I remember I had to wear a brace on my leg for a while, and I just remember not. I didn't like to wear it, and I didn't like that it made me different, Um, and it wasn't something, like, fun that made me different. Um, And I remember kids would ask, I mean, very innocently, like, what that was, and I just – I don't think I knew how to explain what it was either, and it made me upset Um, just because, I mean, every kid wants to be just like every other kid at school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I – yeah, I just remember not wanting to wear my brace and things that made me, like – visually look different. Um, I don't think I remember really anything with my port just because it was hidden. hidden. Um, Sometimes I hear our
1: kids say too, because um, lots of the kids I see in clinic, um, that obviously they're doing outpatient treatment. So they're coming into clinic on a Thursday. They're out mm-hmm. Thursday, maybe Friday. So they have different attendance and they voice feeling different and hating like, oh, you know, here's Elizabeth leaving school again and and Pierce is thinking like, oh, it's so lucky you get to
2: leave school Mm -hmm. or just feeling different in that their attendance even is different. Yeah. I remember that a little bit. I – more specifically with that with my siblings, they got really jealous um, because when like – my mom would take me to an appointment. It usually would just be us because they were so little, mm. um, and they thought we were going to do something fun, or like they were jealous that they didn't get to go with us. But and Elizabeth, remind me, you're the oldest, the oldest of three yeah. children. I have a younger. Brother and
1: sister. Do, and what are their age differences? Um,
2: my brother is seventeen, and then my sister just turned sixteen, so they're eighteen months apart. So okay. Really, they were,
1: and so I think you said at diagnosis, um, your youngest was eighteen months. You had a three year old, uh-huh. and then you had your six year old, Elizabeth. Yeah. Right. So, and you felt that that your siblings felt jealous.
2: Yeah, I just remember they would always be very upset that we were leaving, and I also remember being upset because I didn't want to go, mm-hmm. and they were too little to, like you couldn't. I mean, as much as you could tell them, like, oh, we're not doing something fun. You're like, still leaving with mom. Yeah. You're yeah, right. And we had a
3: um, wonderful church community that uh, one, uh, someone from our small group um offered to babysit Grayson and Drew the entire time for each of those weekly treatments. I'm forever grateful for her assistance to take in my two kids and just play. And she had a daughter about the same age and she would make it as fun as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, she was amazing. And but even that, the fact that they were not with me, they thought we were doing something fun and little yeah. did they know. Yeah. And today they, they get it more now. Um, but the long-term fec- effect of that, um, has been pretty devastated from a parenting standpoint for them to feel that, um, Elizabeth is more popular, mm-hmm. our favorite child. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we treat her different. Mm-hmm. We treat her with, you know, kid gloves, um, they were just too young to know what was going on. Um, But today I think we're finally now that they're in their elder teens getting to a point where they can kind of piece together that this was a life threatening situation. Yeah. And there we were, you know, but they were too young to know. Yeah. But the implications um, are pretty significant from how they, what they need from us as parents, the younger two are very independent and they do not need a whole lot from yeah. my husband and I. And part of it, I rack up to the fact they learn to just do and take care because we were so distracted for so many years. Yeah. This is a 10 year care. long journey. 10 year long yeah. journey. And it probably wasn't till about year five that we thought we've got this, we're headed in the right direction. The first five years were, and so that was their developmental
2: period of time
3: and they're being taken care of by a village. So if we weren't, you know, if they weren't being taken by care of by one family from church, it was another family from church or grandparents Mm -hmm. that would come in from out of town. So, um, you know, it's just a dynamic on the family. That's um, I, when I talk to other Families with oncology, hemoc or neuro hemoc, they, they tell me they, that's like, it's such a, it's so hard on the whole family and the, and the siblings. Um, It's hard to parent a child that has a brain tumor. It's hard to parent a child who is fatigued, nauseous. Um, It's hard to motivate them. Um, we were so hyper-focused on her immunity, keeping her free of germs from other kids and, um, you know, withdrew her from all the activities. That was the other piece. I felt like life for everyone else in my community was moving forward. Their kids were doing this and that, and we're just trying to live.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: We're just trying to survive and beat this. Um, So that was kind of an interesting stage of life. And then all these people that had kids during this time, I didn't ever learn any of their names because it was such a blur. We were so self-consumed and I love people and I <laughs> love families. And so there's a whole slew of like kids. I'm like, I know they belong to that family, but I have no idea yeah. what their names are because and normally I would, but we were so self self-absorbed into getting her to a healthy state. Yeah. Sometimes I I've said this on the pod
1: too many times probably. So people that listen <laughs> often are like, gosh, you repeat yourself. But sometimes I feel like this is just this trauma bomb that explodes. Mm -hmm. And we assume, or it's easy to assume that it's impacting the patient, but how are you supposed to be a, you know, quote unquote, good wife and mother and friend to everybody else when you're, like acutely in parenthood all the time, okay, this kid's got a recital and soccer practice and or grades are poor, we gotta focus on them for a minute. It's acutely, now we're focusing on this kiddo. But with cancer, it's this prolonged time where that child is the focus because they have to be. And I can't imagine, you know, the, the moms feel guilt anyway you know mm-hmm. the guilt that you feel as a mom or what what should i be doing or and then you know how your young kids feel i mean that's so hard right
3: i know there's no answer no there's no answer but you definitely do live in a bubble yeah and you you just live moment to moment breath to breath yeah um i do credit the social workers that we had in the unit Sitting my husband and I down after kind of at right after the biopsy. I think it was somewhere in that frame, I believe, either that or the year later, I'm not really sure, but pretty early in the journey. Yeah, they told us that we needed to make sure that we were communicating, that we were we as individuals deal with things differently. Yeah, that um we had to focus on our marriage, that that it was vital, that the rate of divorce among that kids of, I'm not sure where the quote came from, but that we were more likely Mm -hmm. now exponentially more likely to have a divorce because of this situation. And I think I was glad to know that, but also it kind of scared me to death to think, oh my gosh, like, I can't have that happen too. Yeah. So that was something you could control. Yeah. I can work on this. I can make sure I'm communicating. Yeah. Because I'm definitely like a dog. I like all my friends around me and I got to tell everybody what's going on. My husband's like a cat. Mm -hmm. doesn't want to talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. He's also to the point where, you know, uh, just, just keep moving. Don't talk to people. Don't involve anybody else. So we're very, very different. So I think we had to quickly understand how to navigate that. Yeah. And, uh, to cope, work on coping yourself, and then support your partner, partner. And how they're coping
1: right. Definitely. and
3: yeah, and I mean, your children and how yeah, they're. Coping. And I don't really remember. And again, it's just yeah. it's a trauma, and I am pretty open with people to let them know that after um, this, about three months after her diagnosis, um, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I didn't know what it was, but I was having reoccurring flashbacks wow. that were debilitating um, that would come as I was driving and I had no idea. And I talked to my doctor and they recognized and got me to a therapist and I did work through that. And a month or two later, I was j- just doing fine, but but that it was a real consequence of the situation was the effect on my ability to move forward. Um, but I also credit um, my faith um. Just the fact that, and as our family, we involved our church in this and um, we had people praying for us. And even today when people ask, what can you do? I just pray for pray for great outcomes, pray for the chemotherapy to be a perfect match mm-hmm. um, because that's what we ended up with with Elizabeth is that while they didn't know for sure the brain tumor type, the, the chemotherapy that they administered was a perfect match for the cells and turned the cells off. They stopped drawing up blood and the tumor began to just like atrophy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I always, when people say, what can I do? I'm like, pray that it's a perfect match, you know? So we do believe that God was in this and through this and, and um, we're, we're just believing in that and, uh, you know, just thankful that we are where we are today. Mm -hmm. I mean, Elizabeth volunteered today at the hospital (laughs) and helped other kids. Yeah, Yeah, which
1: is pretty amazing. I heard a um, when I went to brain tumor camp a few weeks ago. The vice president of the Brain Tumor Foundation was there. Oh, wow. And she is a, her son is a long term brain tumor survivor. And we talked about siblings. And she said, you know, at one point, she said, I think her son, um, that's the survivor, is the oldest of four, maybe. But she said, you know, at one point when they were old enough, she sat them, you know, down and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this oh. happened to our family. Um. But yeah, she just said, you know, I'm sorry that this happened to our family. It's unfair. And it did. And, um, and like you said, you said it was really hopeful in this last um, survivorship clinic visit that you went to, that it was like full circle and like, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about how your new strengths um, might lend you to this career or that career. And it's hard when you're in the thick of it to see how one day this adversity is going to make our family so strong, um, is going to make me so strong. Do you feel like you guys are getting to that place as a family or even you individually?
2: I think definitely for me, like, I feel like there's things I think especially just because I was so little, it's just kind of something that's been a part of me forever. Um, and I mean, sometimes, so it like the brain tumor affected the right side of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's sometimes where like, I'm right-handed. If I write too much, like I'm a little fatigued, but I feel like now it's to the point where I know like, oh, I just need to take a break or things like that. Um, and even at like the survivorship meeting, um, I, they were talking to me, my like right, the way my like right leg is and my right foot, um, like my legs a little shorter, and the way that my foot drops when I walk is just a little different. So sometimes if I walk too much, I get fatigued, but. Um, I think just their outlook on, they were like, well, you know, I want to be a teacher one day and they're like, well, just get yourself a little chair that rolls you can be around the class. Just kind of the outlook. Get a
3: stool with four wheels and you can roll around and then you're not on your ankle and hip and knee. Yeah. It's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do. Yeah. I think it's
2: just looking at it differently of like, even the one person may do it this way. Like, I'm not that way and it doesn't mean that I can't do things it's just you might have to do it a little bit differently which I think when I was little and I was like had to do like occupational therapy physical therapy I don't think I really like understood that like I always had like a little pencil grip to like help me grip my pencil and stuff and I didn't realize I don't think how that was helping me but now I think that I'm older I can see like it doesn't mean I can't do things. It's just yeah. I might do it a tiny bit differently or – Finding just, your worker. Yeah, you just – I just do it a certain way. And if I can get the same thing done that someone else would be, it doesn't matter how you get to that
1: point. That's a hard, you know, mountain <laughs> to kind yeah. of climb and and feel like, okay, these deficits – because so often, you know, the kids and families I work with, they're comparing themselves to the family they were before, the kid they were before. And that's really hard to stop doing and just saying, okay, this is who I am now and this is what I can do. And so it's its so hard to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I guess, too, since it happened when you were so young, maybe it's different, you know, how you've gotten it's to that place. It's more that she's
3: kind of always been I mean
1: her yeah memory, as far as yeah. I
2: remember it's just kind of like it's my right always, hand always got a little sore if I like yeah wrote too much but it got like in high school I would just like print off the notes yeah. so I would have it and i did not have to write everything down it was mm-hmm. just kind of just acknowledging kind of the way it was and yeah for me do you me, think you're a good advocate
1: for yourself like in school for instance could you say this isn't working for me can I need to
2: I think a little dryness. bit. I think I always, at least, like, by the time, like, when in elementary school, I had certain things that, like, my parents worked with my teachers to, mm-hmm. like, didn't I sit up closer and Always class, close to the teacher. To like, um, here and focus. Special,
3: special grips on the pencils, special crayons, the twist-up crayons.
2: Yeah.
1: Did
3: you get resistance in supporting her with school and – Absolutely not. Our school was phenomenal and full props to our school, how they handled it, how -hmm. they embraced the family, each school teacher. Um, I mean, I think I credit that with the fact that's why she wants to be a school teacher Mm -hmm. because of the way they embraced her and helped her. In fact, um, her kindergarten teacher tutored her after her brain tumor resection because, I, I don't know the terms, but pretty much she would forgotten like all the letters and the symbols and colors and mm-hmm. basically had to be retaught mm-hmm. everything that you would know through kindergarten. And, and our teacher volunteered to do that. Um, and to help her completely outside of any responsibility from the school. So just the heart of people mm-hmm. to help her get back on track. We're still to this day very close with her. Yeah. And, you know, paying forward back to her kids, the things, you know. Um- Are you babysitting? Uh, yeah, I babysit. <laughs> yes. We give clothes
2: Closed. to her daughter. Yeah. So, so would
1: you say people like that that were in your
2: community, your you know, that rallied behind you, did is that Did that impact you wanting to be a teacher? I think definitely. I think I kind of have always, like, been attracted to little kids. And I, I think also just being an older sibling, I was always the kid that kind of, like, yeah. played school and stuff. Yeah. But I think definitely, like, being able – I would love to someday be able to give that back to another kid or – Because you're also doing uh, special ed, right? Yes, yeah. I'm elementary and special ed. And in yeah. any way – that I could be that for someone else just because I think I saw the impact that it had on my family and also just like the relationships that we have. Like, my first grade teacher was also really, um, really big. Mm-hmm. And she like came to my high school graduation um, party and like gave me all these fun things. All these thing. Miller teacher yeah, stuff. Yeah, teacher things. So fun. Um, yeah. And I think I just saw the impact of that. And I, I kind of, I mean, being, a kid who kind of grew up going to hospitals a lot and stuff. I kind of always felt like maybe should I be a nurse or something? You felt drawn to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like drawn to that and like giving back in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I kind of realized that I would not be suited for the medical field. I'm not exactly, not that I get super squeamish around like blood or anything. But. Oh, the same. My husband says to
1: me all the time, I can't believe you work at a hospital. Yeah. You get a
2: paper cut and you're like, Yeah, I Help just, me. I could not, like when I get my blood drawn, <laughs> I can't look at it or anything. Yeah. Um, but I think I kind of saw teaching as a way that I could yeah. care for people mm-hmm. in a different way um, that. Well, isn't quite in the medical mm -hmm. field, but you care for them on a whole different kind of level, which I really like. I did want to mention um, the therapies
3: that were required for the listeners um, to realize that with a brain tumor resection, at least with her type and where it was located, that Mm -hmm. there there were deficits on the right side of the body that was like a a stroke, Mm -hmm. um, almost like an adult stroke patient where the whole right side drooped. Um, We also had some long-term issues of growth lack of growth on the right side. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the the folks that um, Elizabeth received four different kinds of therapies the one year, the solid one year after the resection until the chemo started. Yeah. She had OT to rebuild the hand strength, PT for the gross motor, the right foot, the right leg, um, speech to rebuild some of the muscular functions, the tongue function, um, and I think it was mostly the muscles mm-hmm. um, and then vision therapy, Absolutely. which was quite difficult to find at the time yeah. and to coordinate. And I believe it was a hundred percent out of pocket, but it was vital for her ability to read left to right and to do the tracking of the eyes. Um, and again, I'm not medical. I'm just trying to do the best I can, but that was pretty hard to navigate. And how, the, how did you of those, juggle
1: those four? And did you go to school and then you
3: work? I don't know. I can't. Re- it was. <laughs> you just uh, did what you had to do. I just did what I had to do. I ran my own business, and so I just cut back to one client, and so I really had to contract my mm-hmm. time outside the house. We also would stack up. At least two, if not three of the fair therapies provided at one location, OTPT and speech, we would so often do them after. back to back to back because it was one copay at that time on our plan mm-hmm. versus three individual copays. So that was a trick that I kind of figured out with the help, the you know, figure it out um, with the insurance company and I don't know. And, and even just for your time. And for yeah. time. Yeah. And, and great. And her younger sisters, we would, younger sister and brother, we would bring toys and play out in the parking lot. Yeah. Out scooters. back behind. We brought scooters and they rode bikes and while she was inside. So yeah. I wasn't really all that involved in her therapy. I Dad. was taking care. Nope. just or she, she you and just the did provider. it independently. Yeah. yeah. With the provider. And then I'd yeah. be outside running around with her younger siblings that were just crazy. Yeah. But one of our favorite pictures yeah. is... Of the three of them on a one of those round swings they have in uh, therapy centers, Mm -hmm. the rounds with Mm the rope, and that's one of our favorite pictures. Sibling, sibling, all three of them. Yeah, so they were a part of her therapy too. Yeah, um, going to all that, and I think that was two to three times a week. And then vision had its own cadence. Um, I believe that was after school. I remember
2: going that at night. You remember going to all
3: those therapies?
2: I kind kind of remember them. I weirdly remember the vision therapy because we would play with those little beads, things that you put them on, um, and then you iron it to, like, make a little shape or something. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you, like, put it on a little pegboard, and then you would, Uh like, iron it and make something. But it was – I just remember – Having to like put it on the little itty bitty things. I don't and that know was for vision, and there was something you did on the computer. There was a thing on a computer, almost like a game. And she had to she had to do the game
3: to practice and teach the eyes to track together and stuff yeah. on their own. Yeah. And then later in life, so um, in when she was about sixteen, we yeah, because you said this has been a long, long time, yeah. Long. Yeah. yeah. So she was followed by a, physia, a physiatrist for years. Because of the foot drop, um, mm-hmm. there were it, therapies that were recommended, but we just opted opted to just stop. Yeah, um, Botox injections and serial casting, and we just decided that we weren't going to put any more energy into it. And it, not as a cop out, but as an empowerment.
2: Mm-hmm. She
3: didn't want to do it. We yeah. didn't want to do it. It sounded painful and awful, and mm-hmm. and she was happy with how she was. Do you
1: remember an age where? her input started to be pretty heavy
3: Ooh. in decision-making for tri- for her care? <laughs> probably the time we ordered the brace and then you never wore it. Remember that? You're yeah. like, I am not How old are you? Probably here? junior high. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you're foot. like,
2: okay, we're not doing yeah. this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because my foot – I mean, for the most part, I walk regularly, but sometimes I can feel it. But I feel like now my body just kind of knows how to – like function around it but yeah in high school when we found out my like leg difference because by that point I had pretty much stopped growing um yeah they got me a brace and I was like no I'm not wearing I'm that not wearing which that. I think kind of also goes back to the just like I don't want to look different than yeah. anyone else and I know that no one would care but I guess to me I was like it really isn't impacting me yeah like it didn't help enough I don't it think. didn't help enough and I kind of was like well I, If I walk a tiny bit differently, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. If I need to sit down or not. Do you think, Mom, that she's been pretty hopeful through this whole thing?
3: Oh, she's, yes,
1: definitely. Optimistic. Very
3: optimistic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What would you say, you know, peak in a pit, you're high and you're low? If you thought about this whole journey from what you can remember to even right now.
2: Mm-hmm. I know that's a hard one that's to say. a long time yeah um so a pit and then maybe a peak pit I think that would just be um I think from what I remember would just be like chemotherapy just because that was so long and it involved me like leaving school and um just like not feeling like myself um and kind of not really know it. I mean, I knew I was getting medicine that was supposed to make me feel better, but not knowing what was going on, I just knew it would didn't really make me feel great. Um, and I think peak, I think just being able to like, I feel so lucky lucky to be able to like come back to Riley and, um, I am involved with dance marathon, um, at my school. And I feel like I'm very, very lucky to be able to give back to other families, kind of like my mom was saying, where they might not be at a point where they're as optimistic about things or just any way that I can give back. And the fact that I am able to give back to Riley or other Riley families, I think is really neat. And it gives me kind of a unique opportunity and a unique kind of connection to them that not everyone has no way to see that there's some good that came out of all of this Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah.
3: and then it's interesting to see her siblings are in high school involved in dance marathon aren't they Uh and her brother recently shared his story um at one of the events, um, and we didn't know he was going to, and we had uh, one of our babysitters there he's that had babies been through it all with us, and she was sobbing. Was like, he? Did he? Th- he didn't sob, but my parents were there, and his other grandparents. I mean, everyone was like totally caught off guard. So he's now starting to share. Yeah. What it was like for him as a sibling? Yeah. yeah. Um, he's the baby seventeen. 17. He's, he's seventeen. The he's the middle. So I think it's kind of neat to start yeah. to see. um, you know, highs for the other family members and such, I would say high and low, um, probably the low for me. Um, I think for the low for me was, um, I I think the standpoint of, um, having to just hand your child over Mm -hmm. to people you'd never met Mm -hmm. and, And not from a control thing. I mean, I pray to God, you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and you can help us. So I do think the thoughts of a funeral and life without her would be the low. So help us, you know, help us find the right people. So that would be the low. (laughs) But then in the high, I guess, through the high of all of it, I I think a lot about um, the support. I've spoken to our church and school family I think the high would be how they rallied around us and the way that people provided for us um, in a way that I couldn't even anticipate or predict or communicate. So I had, had a friend that sent out email communications was before caring bridge. <laughs> uh, she would manage the communication and I had a friend coordinating meals. And if you know, before meal train and babysitting just mm-hmm. had people who stepped in and did for us. and, I'm just, I guess that would be the highest to see um, people rally behind, rally behind because I didn't even know where the next hour was headed. Yeah. Um, but I will say even today, it's hard for me to help other people in the, in a direct way. I often go to praying for them Yeah. because to enter into what there is uh, often still pretty hard for me um, from a being in their shoes kind of feeling so um, like oncology related or even anything just um, probably oncology related. Yeah. So we do have a, a little, little guy that we support his family. We text a lot with his mom and we visited them that had the same type of brain tumor type. I feel like I can, we can help them, but yeah. On a broader sense. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It just brings up a lot of emotions. Yeah. So, um,
1: I'm glad that we talked today, too, about siblings. I think it's something we haven't talked a lot about on the podcast this far. It's really important. And so, how do you feel like, you know, where do you feel
2: like you are now with your with your two brothers, right? Brother and sister Oh, brother and sister, the baby's a sister. Yeah, okay. um, I feel like it I mean, my mom kind of said this earlier, but I feel like now they're getting to the point where they do kind of understand what went on Yeah. when I was younger, that they were just way too young to like, I couldn't even understand really what was going on and they had no idea. Um, But I feel like now they're kind of to the point where I don't think they would, they don't really vocalize a lot of things, but I do think they kind of understand kind of what went on and like how people helped us and how Riley hospital helped us. And it's been interesting to see them cause I've been involved with dance marathon. Um, and we never, like, I never said them. like, yeah, no. never, no we kind of, they both are very independent too. We're like, you kind of just let them mm-hmm. do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I go left, they go right. Um, and it's been interesting to see them like be involved with that because, I, like, I've been involved with it just, like, from my experience and wanting to give back, um, and it's been interesting to see them be involved and, like, feel that connection and be able to see that, um. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel really proud of them, um, and it's also just because I think sometimes in my mind, obviously, I know I'm a Riley kid, but just kind of because it's kind of just always how my life has been, sometimes I think it's easy for me to, like, kind of forget, um. Like, obviously it's always part of my life, but it's, I feel like when things like that happen, I realize like the impact that it had on so many people around me, um, just cause I don't think I will ever really be able to like understand the impact that it had on all the people mm-hmm. around me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it makes me really proud of them and just, they're, they're grown up now. They're, they're not little anymore. They're in high school and looking at colleges and mm-hmm. things like that. Um. I think it shows too, like how our family has kind of grown through that and kind of worked it out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So important piece too, is we did seek counseling, yeah. um, both um, marriage counseling. Um, Elizabeth, we had a counselor for her at the suggestion of the social worker just to make sure she was okay. Um, Cause you just really never know the impact. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, um, you know, so I think that's important to know, too, that those resources can be helpful to people Um, if you choose to go that route. um, uh, The church has helped us with counseling um, because there's a lot of grief you go through, too, as well as as survivorship grief. The fact Mm -hmm. that we made it through, Mm -hmm. and I say we, the whole family. Yeah, yeah. Are oh, you in um, clinic
1: families say, we have an MRI today. That's yeah. exactly we it. Have we,
3: we, it was, all of yeah. this was done to the whole all family. Us, yeah. Yep. We, we, we. And so I think um, dealing with that, um, the actions of doing things for others in similar situations does help us cope with the survivorship yeah. guilt yeah. Um, yeah, that we have. It often makes me cry too. I mean, after I'm with some, a mom that has lost their child, you know, after I'm out of that situation, I mean, I'm crying for them. Mm -hmm. You know, how did I get so lucky Mm -hmm. um, that I'm here today and can do these things? And, you know, I even, when we dropped her off at college, like, you know, moms are sobbing and I'm like, hallelujah, we made it to college and she can go to college and she doesn't need a para to help her. Mm -hmm. And she's cognitively at a point where she can be in college, she's getting straight A's. Like, you know, these are the successes that maybe others are Sad yeah. about the transition of life forward, but we're like thankful to pieces that yeah, she gets to do these things, that yeah. we're here, yeah. that we get to go back to school and she gets to do these things. So just a little bit different perspective that might mm-hmm. make us a little different from yeah. our families. I will say, too, that she, um when it came time for high school, so we were in a parochial K-8 through school, uh-huh. when it came time for the selection of high schools, we were – um Interested in, in kind of switching gears and going to public high school. Um, and that was something that turned out to be super positive for her to start a new, because by that time she was completely in recovery yeah. and had no treatments. And she was able to start fresh in a four-year high school with very few people knowing her
2: past. Yeah. If you what, looked at me, you wouldn't. And that was wouldn't. important to you. I think it was partially a little hard for me just because, I just, like, had never really encountered that where, uh, like, because because my school was kindergarten through eighth grade, I had gone to school with most of the same people since kindergarten who had been with all me and story. my family. Yeah. Like, it was the kind of thing where I knew everyone's family and parents and siblings, and mm-hmm. they all knew our family yes. and our story, and you just kind of, it was a community. Um, and not that it was a bad thing going to school where people didn't know, um, it was kind of, Nice to be able to start. Oh, I can see it being double. It's yeah. But then also it's one of those things where you don't, it's not something you casually bring up. Like, Mm -hmm. like I always joke. Um, like when, in class, when it's like, oh, say a fun fact about yourself. I always joke with my friends that my leg is, my right leg is shorter than the left. But then it brings up the question of, well, why is that? How did you figure that out? And then I'm like, well, I don't want to just go ahead and tell the whole class.
0: Yeah,
2: you can't just casually bring that up. So I think that was one thing where I really like mm-hmm. the people that were important to me. Yeah. I brought it up to. And at first, it's kind I mean, Again, you just don't casually bring something like that up. Yeah, but that feels different having the choice of sharing Yeah, and I think that's something I kind of had to navigate. Um, And then by the time I got to college, I was very fine with Mm -hmm. doing it. And with Dance Marathon, it was always something I Mm – if I would make like a Facebook post or something. Mm -hmm. um, I was always kind of nice because I could connect everything to my story and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I would say high school is a little tricky. Just kind of, yeah, figuring out – like, oh, these people don't know, like not everyone knows. And do I want to share? And it wasn't that I didn't. I just was like, how do you casually bring that up? Yeah. And like, let them know. And everyone that I told was very like, impact. and I think part of it too, was it was just very shocking because looking at me, you wouldn't know. And like the effects that I still do have,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you wouldn't know. Like, I mean, you notice I walk different, but no one else would. Yeah. And like my right hand gets a little fatigued. It's shaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. And like I used to. Sometimes I go to yoga and everything. When we do it on the right side, is harder. Yeah, and the left. Over. I can't. I all, yeah, so <laughs> the yeah, back. Yeah, I, I just. Really yeah, I also am just very
1: uncoordinated on the right to begin
2: with. So, like, do you
1: feel comfortable in yourself? Like, I How's think, your self
2: confidence? I think now to it's. I'm way more confident than I was mm-hmm. about it now. Did I it just, take work? I think it just took kind of figuring out like who I. Like, just kind of accepting that this was who I was as a person. And I'm just, like, also not even related to my brain tumor, but just very uncoordinated. And so I just really (laughs) amplified it. But I think I'm now to the point where I laugh about it. Like, if people, like, if we're doing something, I just preface it with, like, I am so uncoordinated. Like, I just laugh about it and everyone... Kind of joke like we went bowling one day with my friends and I was like I'm so bad at this and it was funny like we all laughed about it and I think now I've kind of learned how to just be like this isn't the way I am and I don't have to be. Coordinated to have a super fun, engaging Mm -hmm. life. And And I think that is what makes you so inspirational to
1: other kids that are listening to this that have the same diagnosis or similar to you. That you can – if you're not there, you can get to a place where you – are confident in who you are because who you are is amazing and there is no one else in the world like you and to live in that and to be confident in yourself because you might be different after this, but you have new strengths and things that make you wonderful. So I just love hearing how you've really turned your adversity into so many strengths. Yeah. Yeah. What's this done for your guys' relationship?
2: I think it's brought us closer, honestly. I think just because a lot of things were us going to things together, like doctors' appointments together. Yeah. And yeah. she went to all my chemo th- except for the one I remember when dad took me and <laughs> he would put the numbing cream on and he forgot to wash it off his hand and he and like finger. numbed his finger. But yeah. And then he walked into clinic and they're
3: like, Oh, who are you? Yeah. And then he's like, like, I'm the dad. And you and know? I, yeah. Because yeah, they never was all seen during him. the
2: day. Yeah. yeah, I think it brought us closer together. Um, Yeah, I
3: would say. I think so, too. um, And that's what's been a little difficult with the siblings is finding connection points that are as intense and impactful as we've had. Yeah. Um, because I would lay in the bed in the hospital with her. I would lay at her feet and every oh MRI mind. and she had 28 of them. You have to. Unsedated. Yeah. And so I would lay on that mm-hmm. sled thing, I mean, and hold her. Um, and, and so just, there's just an intimacy and mm-hmm. in going through that again together, yeah. um, mm-hmm. mother, daughter, that it's been an f- intentional focus of mine to find those connection points with her siblings. And it has not been easy.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, and I think now that they're a little older, just kind of working on things, yeah. um, to make that connection and a little they're better. Older, but yeah. still young. You yeah, have so right. much
1: time to continue to. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: so what? I guess Tracy, then too. What would you say to moms that are struggling, maybe feeling like, you know how do how do I strengthen those connections? And I'm um, feeling that maybe guilt or
3: yeah, it's just a uh, you're trying so hard. Um, I think finding the things that matter to those individual children. Mm -hmm. They need individual attention.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And then letting your child that's sick or on that, that journey do let other people maybe help you a little bit there once you are at a place where it's repetitive or something. But um, I think I didn't really know how to do that at that point. Mm -hmm. But I think looking back, it would have been nice to maybe let a grandmother do a treatment um, and then I stayed home with the younger two. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think like that then or know. And how could you know to It was, so, to scary. Think like that? It was yeah. so scary. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been different. Her younger siblings are very athletic. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of sporting events mm-hmm. and there's a lot mm-hmm. of travel this and mm-hmm. travel that. Mm-hmm. And so the experience with them has been more around their sports, um, mm-hmm. because yeah, they, Elizabeth wasn't. So that is unique, and the th- all kinds of things we only sh- we only have with the two yeah. two, the That's sports nice. part. Yeah. Um, And then her, they we are a 4-H family, and so there is a common link um, for the, uh, each of them mm-hmm. around 4-H, and they went to the meetings together. So I guess things that they could do together were kind of neat too. In mm-hmm. um, church, uh, mm-hmm. another piece, they all went to the same schools, and uh, we go to the same church. And so I think things like that are important for the whole family unit. So. I wonder if, Elizabeth, you
1: can help me with one of our segments is um, I wish. So sometimes um, we do like I wish my provider knew. I wish my friends knew. What do you wish um, somebody with a brain tumor that's maybe currently on treatment and and going through this journey knew?
2: Um, I would say just I wish that they would know that eventually, even if things don't make sense while it's happening, eventually things will make sense and you'll learn how to I mean we kind of talked about it a little bit but if things are changing or your body's functioning a little bit different that it doesn't have to necessarily be a bad thing it might mean that you do things a little bit different you might I don't know even just like getting school work done or something you might mm-hmm. have to do it in shorter increments or do it in a different way but I think just acknowledging that because you do it a different way than someone else doesn't mean that that's a bad way or that you're doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially like I'm in my part of my major special education. We've learned a lot about how whatever way it takes a kid to get somewhere, it doesn't matter. Two kids could get there in two completely different ways. And I think just as a cancer patient, just knowing that you will accomplish things if you want to and whatever way or path or whatever it takes you to get there is okay because it's your journey and your kind of adventure and it doesn't have to be identical to someone else. I think that's Mm -hmm. something that I always I mean as a kid you kind of compare yourself. You always want to be Mm -hmm. the same as your friends. You never especially like elementary middle school, like you just want to fit in. That's all you all you really want. You just want to be liked. You want to have friends. You want to fit in. Um and I think just knowing that it's okay to be a little different the people that are important will love you and respect you for who you are and no matter what that means if you do things a little differently the people that are important and that will stick around will stick around and be there for you through everything
1: i love that that's perfect Thank you both for doing this today. I thank think you. Um, thank you. it's pretty amazing how this whole journey has circled back to now, you know, your role here at the hospital where your daughter was treated and you volunteering here. And um, I just think you're both assets for everything you've been through and what you can offer to, to the families here. And your future is so bright, young. Lady. I can't see what the future has <laughs> in store for you. And you, all of those things that you just said and everything you've been through are going to make you A phenomenal teacher. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you both. Thank Thank
2: you you so much.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Lifting the Fog. As always, please email us at LiftingTheFog1. That's the number one at gmail.com. We want to hear from you with your questions, concerns, thoughts, and ideas for future conversations and topics to dive into. And subscribe, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but subscribe and rate us. We would also love for you to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LiftingTheFog1. And please hashtag us at hashtag LiftingTheFog. And as always, Lifting the Fog is an independent podcast. All information, thoughts, and opinions shared are for informational purposes only. No material on this podcast is intended to be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please always seek the advice of your qualified health provider with any questions that you may have. Thanks for tuning in.